Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is the Character and Smallman Podcast on 101 ESPN. It is going to be 701 in 2 1. Woof. 701, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Welcome to a new happy week in sports here in St. Louis. Actually, we hope it's a happy week. That's Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carricker. How was your weekend? It was great, Randy. How was yours? It was good. I spent a lot of time, I was telling uh, Colin Surrey earlier, a lot of time on the bike and a lot of time on the grill. It was kind of split, not evenly, but I, I spent a lot of time. And then I tried to work on my golf short game because it's so bad. It didn't get any better. I think I need new new wedges. You know, that's kind of always the answer, mm-hmm. is if I'm swinging them bad, I need new clubs. New clubs are always the problem. You know, that newest technology would really help shorten up your swing, things of that nature. <laughs> it was a hot one this weekend, right? It really was. St. Louis summer is here. It, where did spring go? We kind of missed out on that, didn't we? It's almost as if with baseball not in the mix, the St. Louis yeah. weather said, hey, we're going to rain for a while and then boom, it's summer. I've got my Traeger grill at home and you actually get accurate temperatures with a Traeger. You can set it at 180 degrees or 250 or 270, just like an oven. Mm-hmm. And yesterday I'm making uh, triple cheese smoked mac and cheese on Oof, the Traeger. Randy. It was fantastic, but I had to smoke the sauce for it at 30 minutes at 180 degrees. So I turn it on at 180 and it goes right up to 250 because it's so hot outside. That is upsetting. Yeah, it was really super warm. And we're only in June. Yeah, we're started. (laughs) Speaking of we're only in June, here we are, it's June 8th. I'm so excited the spring training starts on Wednesday, Michelle. Me too. June 10th, baseball all over that, right? You know, we have waited a long time for this, Randy, and I'm just so glad that baseball understands how much fans really want the game back in action, and they have delivered for us the target dates that they have promised. They aren't even talking. Baseball owners and players aren't even talking. And here's something alarming. Our friend Buster Only, friend of the station, friend of the show, was on ESPN Radio yesterday and said this. To personalize it, what I always liked, I grew up on a dairy farm in Vermont, and I now own part of that farm. I, I split it with my brother. And so I always like to say, I bet the family farm on no baseball. This year, that they won't reach an agreement because they're so entrenched on their side and there's so much anger, there's so much frustration. That's how I would bet the family farm. That being said, Michelle, owners do have the right to implement their own schedule at 48 games, which over the weekend it was reported that they are planning to do. And if the players don't play, that's a wildcat strike, and that's against the law. That's against U.S. labor law. So I think there will be a season. It'll just be shortened. It'll be illegitimate, but it'll be a season nonetheless, and they still have a month to start spring training for a 48-game season, a month or or five weeks. They could 
theoretically start spring training on June 5th or July 15th, start a season in that first week of August and be done, which the owners say they want to do by the end of September. Don't you think it would almost be worse and more embarrassing if it got to that point rather than just say, hey, the season's over. We we really botched this. We've gone too far down the road. We cannot put this together at this point because we're too far apart. I think to do the, to do what you just said would almost be worse. What it tells you about baseball ownership, in addition to what they've done over the course of the last couple of years in removing baseball's middle class, good, really good players between five years of service and ten years of service. Those guys don't exist on benches anymore. Then you reduce the number of minor leaguers that you have. Then you don't pay them. So you, you don't care about their quality. Then you do this. What it tells me is that as a group, owners don't care about the quality of the product that they're delivering to fans that are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on season tickets for. It must be nice to be in a position to where you are so financially secure and you are so out of touch that you would rather fight this ego fight with the players and not put out a quality product for the fans. It must be nice to be in that position where you don't care. It's a total money grab, isn't it? If you play 48 games and then you take the postseason money, that's a blatant money grab. And it's not the best thing for your customers, for the fans. It's not the best thing for TV. TV's not going to have a great postseason product. It's certainly not good for the players. They aren't going to be happy about it. So what's the point if you're the owners? Aside from getting that $777 million from the postseason TV, what's the point of doing this? There really is none. And you also have a CBA coming up in another year. Mm -hmm. So your players are going to be ticked off once you get to that point, too, when you start negotiating for that. Let's have some real talk here, Randy. If Buster only is saying he's going to bet the family farm in Mm -hmm. Vermont that there's not going to be baseball, we need to mentally prepare ourselves that this is not going to happen. And in a town like St. Louis, Missouri, where... The Cardinals and baseball are such a fabric of our lives, and people are hanging on with a lot of hope, hoping that this happens to help return us to normalcy. If this doesn't happen, the disappointment is going to be through the roof. So I think we need to mentally prepare ourselves now that this is not going to happen. I think that's a good idea. That's a smart idea. And in terms of getting any semblance of a real season in through negotiation, here's Buster again. They are a million miles apart. They are in their respective bunkers. They are absolutely entrenched where you have the owners essentially saying, look, we're going to lose a lot of money this year because uh, if we play, it's going to be without fans in the stands. And so they're asking the players for some sort of salary reduction. And the players continue to say we're not going to accept any salary reduction. Neither side has extended themselves into a middle ground. There has been shockingly little conversation between the two sides. Despite now we're going on three months of having this shutdown, and and it is amazing how uh, unproductive they've been. Look, even if they were to come back at this point, they've already damaged the sport. They've already given up the opportunity to have the stage all themselves in early July. They've already, uh, I think, damaged the, the reputation of the sport because of how they've been arguing publicly over money. That's Buster only, and Michelle, uh, you hit it right on the head. We as fans, as people who have built up an emotional attachment to the sport, we do have to mentally prepare for the fact that, A, we're not going to have it this year, and B, it'll probably never be the same as what we enjoyed growing up. We need to get a therapist on the show, Randy. We do. Someone to help guide us through this really difficult time. Because summer in St. Louis is Cardinals baseball. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. You know, I, I just... 
it makes me angry. I get so angry thinking that these clowns are going to deprive us of baseball because of money and ego. And then I get profoundly sad. I really do. Because I love baseball and I love the Cardinals. And I know what it would mean to us as a collective to be able to channel our emotions during a really difficult time in American history into something that we love. This is why the phrase, we love the game and we hate the business, Mm -hmm. came into being. Meanwhile, speaking of difficult times, we're having one in our country. And uh, we were on the air on Friday when NFL players released this video. It's been 10 days since George Floyd was brutally murdered. How many times do we need to ask you to listen to your players? What will it take for one of us to be murdered by police brutality? What if I was George Floyd? If I was George Floyd? What if I was George Floyd? 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 I am George Floyd. I am Breonna Taylor. I am Ahmaud Arbery. I am Eric Garner. I am McCormick Dunn. I am Tamir Rice. I am Trayvon Martin. I am Walter Scott. I am Michael Brown. I am Samuel Du Bois. I am Frank Smart. I'm Philip White. I am Jordan Baker. We will not be silenced. We assert our rights. Peacefully protest. It shouldn't take this long to admit. So, on behalf of the National Football League, this is what we, the players, would like to hear you state. We, the National National Football League, condemn racism and the systematic oppression of black people. We, the National Football League, admit wrong and silencing our players from peacefully protesting. We, the National Football League, believe black lives matter. Black lives matter. Black Black lives lives matter. matter. Black lives matter. That was a powerful statement from, among others, Michael Thomas, the wide receiver for the Saints, Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. the league Super Bowl MVP, Teron Matthew, one of his defensive back teammates, DeAndre Hopkins from the Cardinals, St. Louis and Ezekiel Elliott, and many others, Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr., the wide receivers for the Browns. And it resonated with me. Not that this movement hasn't from day one with Colin Kaepernick, but it it really resonated with me. And I guess it did resonate with Roger Goodell finally when the players said, what if that would have been me? What What if George Floyd would have been me, an NFL player? And we shouldn't have to wait for that to happen for us to open up this dialogue. I thought it was it was very powerful that not only you had so many players, so many African-American players contribute to this. But as you mentioned, these are the faces of the league. Mm-hmm. This this isn't Colin Kaepernick where you could make the debate. Oh, you know, he's not good enough to be a starting court. This is Patrick Mahomes. OK, this is Odell Beckham Jr. And the if. These guys who are the face of your franchise for a lot of the, for a lot of these organizations are coming out and making this powerful statement. You as an organization, you as a commissioner, you as owners need to listen to them and then do something about it. And by Friday night, the commissioner of the league, Roger Goodell, did. It has been a difficult time for our country, in particular, black people in our country. First, my condolences, to families of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery and all the families who have endured police brutality. We, the National Football League, condemn racism and the systematic oppression of black people. We, the National Football League, admit we were wrong for not listening to NFL players earlier and encourage all to speak out and peacefully protest. We, the National Football League, believe black lives matter. I personally protest with you and want to be part of the much needed change in this country. Without black players, there would be no National Football League. And the protests around the country are emblematic 
of the centuries of silence, inequality, and oppression of black players, coaches, fans, and staff. We are listening. I am listening. And I will be reaching out to players who have raised their voices and others on how we can improve and go forward for a better and more united NFL family. Now, how we got here to Roger Goodell's statement is pretty incredible. And this is from The Athletic. Brenton Minter, who is white and has worked for the league since 2017, was involved in a lot of meetings that he thought weren't productive. And he decided more action was needed, which is why he decided to independently reach out to Michael Thomas of the Saints about producing a player-focused video. Minter understood that he could lose his job helping Thomas with the video. He said, I was at peace the whole time. I think if I wasn't at peace to lose my job, I wouldn't have wanted to go out on a limb like that. I was at peace. I still am at peace. He said, I decided, hey, I'm just going to go rogue here. If I can get one player to buy in, we'll take a chance at this and see what can happen. Minter direct messaged Thomas on Instagram, letting him in on his idea. And Thomas responded almost immediately saying, I'm in. Minter and two of his co-workers put a script together. And Thomas said, let's get the top guys in the league. He said, I have no problem recruiting these guys. By Thursday morning, Minter woke up to video of Ezekiel Elliott and several other players. He had each player read the entire script. He put it together, as you heard. And that was released late Thursday, Friday morning. And then Roger Goodell had no choice but to respond. But there's no way, unless a league employee goes rogue, Mm -hmm. that we get to where we are. Which is still kind of shocking, right? Mm-hmm. That it takes someone doing that, that in 2020 to get that powerful message across. And while I think it is a big step for Roger Goodell to say, hey, we were wrong. We as the NFL were wrong, especially we know Goodell represents the owners. I thought it was a little, it, it feels a little disingenuous. Oh, a little weak when you are making a statement like that and you don't acknowledge Colin Kaepernick, the man that not only started all of this, but the man who's out of the league now because of his right to peacefully protest. And, you know, we were talking about it off air. They've already settled with Kaepernick. Mm-hmm. There's re- there's really no legal reason why you wouldn't have to acknowledge him. And I thought if you would have said, hey, we were wrong with that, too. We could have handled that differently. That would have gone a long way with a lot of people. And perhaps they will later. One argument I heard over the weekend is that if you mention Kaepernick, then you kind of hijack the story again for him as opposed to moving forward now because it should be about George Floyd and these players trying to move forward. There at a later date might be a point at which you can mention Colin Kaepernick, but the story, if Goodell mentions Kaepernick, is all about apologizing to Kaepernick and not these players addressing the issues right now in 2020. That's a fair point, and while I... uh Gosh, this is such a, a tricky thing. But like I said earlier, with with Kaepernick before, owners, Goodell, people could make the argument over, well, this isn't about peacefully protesting. This is about the fact that he's not good enough to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. And I just hope that Roger Goodell and I hope that the NFL actually is genuine with their message. And they're not just saying, hey, this is, you know, this is Patrick Mahomes. This is Odell Beckham Jr. We can't upset these guys because we need them to go out there and play on Sundays. I, I hope that they're genuine and listen, listening to these players and listening to what they have to say and that they're committed to actions, to progress moving forward. And I mean, only time will tell, but I, I just I truly hope that this isn't something that they felt they needed to do from a business standpoint. 
This is Roger Goodell, and we haven't found an owner yet who says he's on board with what Goodell says. <laughs> and as I say all of that, let me remind ourselves, this is the NFL. It is. It's, uh, the, they care about two things, themselves and their money. Mm-hmm. So That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and this is Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Next up, we're going to hear more from our ESPN and other colleagues about where baseball is from a negotiating standpoint. Are we further away from baseball than we have been since the start of the pandemic? That's next on 101 ESPN. All right. I know you heard it in the first segment. I, I saw it because I'm here in the room with Michelle. I want you to, when you're thinking about the idea of not having baseball this year, I want you to explain what your emotion is. Are you sad? Are you mad? Are you frustrated? What What's the prevailing emotion that you have about where owners and players are in keeping your favorite sport from you? See, that's really hard, Randy, to pinpoint because it's waves of emotion. At first, it's blind rage. Because this could be avoided. This could have been, I don't want to say so simple because it's there's a lot of money involved. There's a lot of health and safety uh, stipulations involved. There's a lot of obstacles to get it done. But it could have been so easy to say, hey, if we were ever going to trust each other, if we were ever going to come to the table with a positive mindset, with a collaborative mindset, right now is the time. I'm months ago, baseball should have said, we can be the first sport back. We can be the first sport to say to America, hey, we lived through a global pandemic. There's a lot of things right now that have been tough in your lives. Baseball is here to take you away. Baseball is here as a distraction. Baseball is here to bring back that hope, to bring back your sense of community. And you know what baseball did instead is they said, hey, I want my money. Let's let's continue to argue, argue and let's have it play out in a public setting in front of the fans. So I get really, really angry about that. But then I get really sad. You know, Randy, I'm sitting out there yesterday with my family on our Sunday dinner, hanging out. And normally we would have the Cardinals game on in the background. We'd be listening to Danny Mac call balls and strikes in a game versus the Pirates on a Sunday night. And, you know, while we had Steely Dan rock and it's not the same as Danny Mac. You know, Danny Mac is greater than Steely Dan. Yeah, I said it. Hot take. I said it. But it's just a summer in St. Louis is not a summer in St. Louis without Cardinal baseball. And it just it pings my heart to think that we won't have it this year. I don't think that's disparaging at all to Steely Dan. Thank you. Because Danny Mac, and I'm a Steely Dan fan, but I would not take Steely Dan under Danny Mac calling big games or being here on 101 ESPN under any circumstances. If you have one choice of who's going to be the background of your barbecue, it's Danny Mac all day. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> now, here's where the real disconnect is, I believe, between owners and fans in baseball because you just so eloquently described what baseball means to you and what it is and here's Buster only about the owners. I think there's no doubt that there are some owners who would rather not play at all because the more games they play the more money they lose if their payrolls are at a certain level where it just out far outstrips how much money they can make in revenue. On the other hand the players are, are saying that that they just will not play unless they get their full prorated salary on a daily basis for however many games they play. The worst case scenario for me would be if there was no baseball at all, but I think the second worst case scenario would be if what you uh, see attempted is that Major League Baseball attempts to ram 
like a 48-50 game plan down the throat of the players because there are certainly a lot of ways the players could derail that. And I, I fully expect, based on my conversations with players, with agents, that there would be players who would simply opt out of it. We have a childlike love of the sport. And the issue here for me is that the people involved in the sport don't appear to love it as much as we do. And we're adults, and yes, we shouldn't be emotional about it because it's their business. That being said, there shouldn't, if you own a baseball team and you're invested in that team, there shouldn't be a scenario in which you don't want your team to play. Mm-hmm. And the simplicity of it is that they should recognize that even if they don't love the sport as much as we do, if if we care about red and white, meaning the Cardinals, and they only care about green, they should be smart enough to connect the dots to know that our love of red and white equals their green. No doubt about it. And yeah, that's so, their, to throw another color in there, that's their golden goose, <laughs> right? Red and white. Equals green equals their golden goose. And that's another reason why I think a lot of people are so angry is that they're saying you're alienating the fans because of money, but you make money because of the fans love of the sport. And Jeff Passon points out there's even more than money at play here. In the end, it's going to be about the money, but there's some other dynamics at play here. The most important one is power. And, and the problem with power is that it is something that has been wrested away from the players by the league bit by bit over the last 25 years. And following the 2021 season, it's the expiration of the collective bargaining agreement. I think right now players want to say to the league and to owners, we are not going to take you bullying us anymore. We're going to stand up for ourselves. We're going to stand up for what we believe in. We have lost half of our salary already this season because of the coronavirus. We do not want to lose a penny off of the other half. The problem is for the players is that they can see their career go by the wayside. Now, they might kill the sport. If they don't play this year, they might, owners and players might kill the sport anyway. Mm -hmm. But if you try to play next year and then have a work stoppage, then you probably do kill the sport. And those guys that are playing under four, five, six-year contracts, Mike Trout loses all of that money. Paul Goldschmidt loses all of that money. Owners... They aren't going to make money. And if you're the Cardinals and you built your stadium and you have to pay debt service on your stadium in Ballpark Village, so be it. But it's not like uh, Mr. DeWitt or, well, Derek Jeter might be in a different classification. But the Guggenheim people that own the Dodgers along with Magic, they're still going to have a lot of money left over after they finish paying their bills. Of course. And when you say it might ruin the sport, I've been thinking a lot about this. And part of the reason that we love baseball so much is because of the routine of the tradition. It feels, it's normalcy to us to know, to to have these tent poles in our year, opening day, hopefully Cardinals postseason baseball, the Cardinals and the Cubs. We circle certain things on our calendars that we look forward to. And while it would have looked different in 2020, if it comes back, it's still baseball. It's still, we, we adjust our traditions, but they're still there in a lot of ways. If If those traditions are completely erased for a year, and we, as we start to put the pieces back together in our lives, put the pieces, put our emotional and our financial pieces into another sport, I truly wonder if it will hold the same weight when it comes back. If it'll just be like, oh yeah, this was cool, this was fun, but it's not as as big of a piece of us as it the, used to the be. The emotional investment will Yeah, be. 
And I, it's astounding to me that the people involved in this, the people involved in Major League Baseball are not putting that into consideration more than they are. And a great text from the 314. MLB needs more Tom Stillmans. Somebody that <laughs> shares the passion yes. and the emotional investment that we do. That's Without a, great, a doubt. Great point. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. It's Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're going to have an early visit with our buddy Dan McLaughlin today. He'll still be with you at 10 o'clock for scoopswithdannymac.com. Danny Mac joins us to talk about this situation next on 101 ESPN. Now it's time for the Danny Mac Report. This is Cards. It's history. As we give you the lowdown on everything cards. Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate your car to Goodwill. It is quick, easy, and towing is free. The St. Louis Cardinals. Nationally. Central Division Champions. With Danny Mac on 101 ESPN. Smallman and Carriker, Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Great to have you with us and great to go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line for our weekly visit with Dan McLaughlin. You'll hear him at 10 o'clock with Scoops with Danny Mac here on 101 ESPN. Good morning, sir. How you doing? I'm doing great, guys. Good morning. How are you? Everything's well, except for the fact that baseball isn't talking. The owners aren't talking to the players. There appears to be no dialogue. Now, that's being reported. Hopefully, there's something going on behind the scenes. But, man, what we hear over the weekend certainly doesn't lead us to believe that good things are happening. My understanding is, Randy, that the owners will have a conference call today at some point to discuss a season. And we will have baseball this year. I I firmly believe that. Now, the the problem is, is that if the owners just slam down the 48 or 50 game proposal, all bets are off on what the season may look like. You know, you could have, let's say a great example would be George Springer, who's a free agent to be. And George goes out and says, yeah, sure, I'll be there. He plays one day or Mookie Betts, another free agent to be. And uh, they play one day. And you know what? My hammy hurts. Uh, Got a bad elbow. Yeah, having some neck problems. Boy, those neck problems just uh, went for the 50 games that we were supposed to play. And lo and behold, I'm a free agent. I mean, I, I could see those kind of things happening uh, with the season. And you just wonder about the viability of a 48 or 50 game season as opposed to, even though it's not great, an 81 game season. And if you had an 81 game season, there would be give and take to make that happen. If it's a 48 or 50 game season, the union gets their prorated salaries. The owners don't have to pay as, uh, as much for the games, and it's it's all over. And the players easily could say at that point, by the way, you wanted us to wear mics during games? Nope, that's not going to happen. You wanted 14 teams into postseason play? Nope, we're just going to do 10. And, it, and it, it really just goes back and forth, and then it sets up what my real concern is, what could happen in spring of 2021. And... Uh, pray to God that we have a vaccine or something that allows us to gather next spring um, and you have the quote-unquote normal season. But remember, they're going into another labor dispute after that year. So it does kind of set the stage for that, too. Dan, I know you probably don't have the answer to this, but after you've just laid everything out so eloquently about all all of the things that could happen if a deal doesn't get... you got to remember, Michelle. <laughs> Hold on. you got to remember. This is what I do for my life. This is what I've dedicated my life to outside my family. So I read everything. Yes. Okay. I read everything. I talk to people. It doesn't mean it's right. Doesn't mean it's wrong. 
And uh, I know you're going into another question. It's just I'm fully vet invested in this. So, right. uh, you know, I'm, I'm sick. I, I got to get away from it. But anyway, go ahead. Well, I was going to say the way that you just laid that out, these are these are the concerns that baseball fans have. We are sitting here sure. saying, what is it? What is it going to look like if you guys don't come to some sort of a resolution here? And if it's just forced and it, it, it could just be really bad, even if they do play. Do you think that owners have realized that they've come to the point in these conversations where they're going to have to consider everything that you just laid out and really be sure and careful with the next proposal or the next thing that they say to the Players Association? It's a great question. The damage has been done in, in certain respects. For instance, a guy like myself that is fully invested in this sport, make a living off the sport, I love the sport, I don't want to see anything happen to it in a negative manner, um, a guy like me that is, or even a fan that's just diving into the news and watching the, it, here's the thing. I mean, there's nothing else going on. So when you have these leaks, they make major headlines where before, if you didn't have, um, the coronavirus and they were going into a labor dispute, yeah, you'd hear some leaks, but it wouldn't take on the greater importance that it has because nothing else, you know, distracts us. I, I think that the casual fan, and it is, I think a fascinating question, if if they came out today and said, we've got baseball, we all have short memories. We really do. And I think the casual fan, and it's it's really interesting what I hear when I go out and people talk to me like, well, wait a minute, baseball's coming back, right? Like they don't have any understanding of what's going on with this stuff, that if baseball comes back, um, a good majority of the fans kind of live and forget, right? They say, well, there's some bickering going on and... Uh, they got through it. They played a season. wasn't great. But now we look forward to a full year in 2021 and bygones be bygones. Where when you're fully invested into it like we are, um, we see these things and it worries us. I, and I hope I'm explaining that well. I, I think mm -hmm. the casual fan will sit there and say, well, it's happened before, but they're playing, so I'm in. Where those that are fully invested uh, realize that that's, there's, some, there's some real problems on the horizon. And... It goes back for many, many years in labor disputes, but most recently in 2016 when the labor agreement was extended, I, I, you know, looking at it now in retrospect, to me, the players got taken to the woodshed, and they don't want that to happen again. And, Dan, with that being the case, it, it appears the power behind the throne of the Players Association is Scott Boris. And this is just a perception thing for me because he played the game. I, I know that he likes baseball players. But it doesn't seem to me that he really cares about the sport or the future of the sport. He's really concerned about the money that he's making right now or the, the contracts that his players get. But with the, his actions and statements over the course of the last several years, it doesn't really seem like he's a guy that cares about people's emotional investments in the game. The people that are paying the salaries, the, the customers, the fans of the game. I find it interesting that it was about a month ago he wrote an op-ed in the New York Times, and I don't know if you guys read that, but it talked about how baseball can be um, a saving grace through such a tough time for all of us. And this is before social unrest. This is just dealing with the coronavirus and a shutdown. And baseball, wouldn't it be great to see them back out on Independence Day and July 4th and at the first, first sport back and yada, yada, yada. And then two weeks later, when he found out guys were going to get a lot of cut in their salary, it, the tone changed real quickly. Um, follow the money. 
I mean, on both sides, that's what this is about. And it's unfortunate that when we have the various things that I just said, coronavirus, social unrest, so much unemployment, that baseball really could provide a nice outlet. It won't be what you're used to seeing. I mean, the KBO games are not the most exciting thing I've ever seen in my life. Part of it is because I don't know the players. The other part is there's no fans in the stands. You're watching baseball. It's like going to an American Legion game. But if you're watching Paul DeYoung and Paul Goldschmidt and Colton Wong and Max Scherzer and Bryce Harper, you know, that's that's pretty cool. And it'd be fun to see. And maybe as we go along, there'd be some fans in the stands before it's all said and done. But uh, to your to your point, Randy, I, I just I hope they understand that, that there are a lot of people frustrated with this. I would like to think that they do. And I mean all players, agents, owners, um, front office personnel. Because the sport is just getting beat up publicly, and I, I hate to see it. I love this sport. It's a great sport, and it really, in St. Louis, defines what we do. I, the great test will be, in my, in my opinion, is that if there is no baseball this year, and again, I think we will have some semblance of a season, is watch what happens in St. Louis. What will the crowds be like next year? Now, this is arguably the best baseball town in the world. And if fans don't come out, my goodness, could you imagine what's going to happen in Cincinnati and Pittsburgh and Tampa and Baltimore and some of the places that have other things that they do in the summer? This is what we do in the summer for a lot of people. You know, they may go to a lake, they play golf, they barbecue, they go to the Ozarks, whatever the case may be. But they I guarantee you the casual fan will go to a game or two. This is what we do. And so if fans don't come back here, that's what would really worry me. By the way, Dan, you talk about people who just have an incredible passion for the sport, and you brought up the, the KBO games. Uh, Patrick Carricker has ordered an NC Dinos cap that's on its way. <laughs> God love him. He watches that's awesome. He, he stays up until like 4.30 in the morning watching the, the Dinos every night. I watched the replays. They, they. By the way, did you guys, I don't know if you've seen this, but they put um, stuffed animals and stuff yeah, you know, th- in, the, in the stands. And it did look like if you were just kind of flipping through the TV, it was like, oh, they got fans. Wait a minute, what? <laughs> the hell is that? You know, there's a giraffe in the front row. I mean, it was, it was kind of crazy looking, but um, the games have been entertaining still for me. Yeah. And maybe it's just because there's nothing else going on. And I... I don't really binge watch a lot of things anyway with four kids. I'm running all over the place. so um, I. But I will stop and watch a baseball game. Hell, I, I sat there. There was somebody, I think it might have been Trey Young, played in a pickup game the other day, and it was on social media. And I sat and watched that. I mean, that's we want sports. Sports is important. Competition, I, man. We're addicted to competition. We are, and I, I hope we can pull this thing off. I'm concerned when I see what happened at Alabama with five players tested positive, the, you know, the coronavirus, and uh, Oklahoma State had it. And, you know, we can talk about all these sports coming back. The virus will dictate whether or not it happens. Uh, the NBA is going to come out this week with a litany. Apparently it's over 100 pages of safety guidelines of coming back. We saw MLBs was at 67. It can be done, um, but, man, I just... I just uh, I, I don't like to see the sport getting beat up, and I, I think that's where we're at right now. Danny Mac, great stuff. Thank you very much. We'll see you for the crossover at nine forty-five. 
See you then. Thanks, guys. You're the man. Appreciate it. That's our buddy Dan McLaughlin, and we will see him at 945. You'll hear him at 10 o'clock with Scoops with Danny Mac here on 101 ESPN. Next up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. We've got Take It or Leave It, so we want your Teoli questions next with Carriker and Smallman. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it on 101 ESPN. Colin Surrey had a busy weekend. It's great to have him back with us on a Monday morning. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing great, Randy. Great to be with you. Great to have you with us. And Colin, of course, will be with us throughout the morning. And then he'll join Danny Mack and scoops with Danny Mack coming up from 10 to 11. By the way, we're going to talk to Chris Kerber at 815. And then Will Lennon, who is the producer of Long Gone Summer, is coming up this coming weekend now, finally, the 14th. Uh, we'll talk to Will Lennon about the McGuire Sosa documentary coming up at 930. But right now, your questions, the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Colin with Teoli, what do you got? All right, UFC superstar Conor McGregor retired on Twitter again this weekend for the third time since 2016. He tweeted out a picture of him and his mom saying he's going to buy her a dream home. You should only be allowed to come out of retirement one time. That's it. Take it or leave it. I'll take that. Yeah, we fortunately, we don't have Ed Werder on <laughs> the front lawn of Colin McGregor. But yes, in sports, you should only have be allowed one comeback. Take it, take it, a hundred times, take it. If you retire and then you come back and then you retire and you come back, you're just the athlete that cried wolf and I'm over it. The the excitement that I had about you coming back potentially the first time, it's so watered down by the third, fourth time you've done this. And this is obviously precluding injury because when Mario Lemieux came back from cancer, that was very cool. Yes. So that that was different. But if you're just retiring because you want to trend on Twitter, yeah. that's just not cool. If you if you're attention seeking with retirement, I'm over it. From the six one eight on the Air Comfort Service text line six five seven eight zero, take it or leave it. Give a hand or a foot for sports to never go away again. You know, I'm going to leave that because as much as I love sports, I was dealing with a toe injury for the past few days, and it is really difficult Yeah, to, you to even uh, have a toe injury. You dropped you know? a laptop on your toe. I did. It was very painful. So. Okay. I Here's the thing. Well, I don't know, though. Only one of us have to sports. do this because if one of us does it, then all of us get sports. I'm going to take one for the team, Michelle. I'm going to take this. I will give up. Yeah, which one's going? Left, right, hand, foot. What are we doing? Well, it's definitely going to be a hand. Okay. Okay. And I, I write left-handed. I use, and my right arm is every athletic endeavor, which is pretty much That's out the window anyway, right? So I'm gonna, I'll give up my right hand. You can still bike. I can. Yeah. Right. And I. Am I allowed a prosthetic? Is this a technicality? No, absolutely. You can oh, then yeah. Whatever you have to okay. do after you so, remove that limb. So that you can have sports. I'm giving up this right hand. Think about how many statues across the country are going to be built to honor you, Randy. Is that the you did this for us. prosthetic or is it going to include the stub? No prosthetic. Okay, because just pe the stub. People need to visually see what <laughs> okay. you sacrifice for us. 
for every sports fan in America. You know what, Randy? Thank you for your selflessness. <laughs> no problem. Selflessness. Now, if if I, I have to cut it off with a hacksaw <laughs> or something, it's going to be troubling, but I'm doing it for you. Yeah, let's really make sure that we iron all the details out mm-hmm. here. You know, I'm assuming you get to go under that it's going to be done by a, a, by a world-renowned surgeon, and we don't just have to, you know. Okay, yeah, I don't have to. It's it. like that, not like that. Hundred was it 127 hours? The movie? Oh the, yes, yes, yes. With James Franco. Yeah, yeah, don't yeah. We're that. not gonna 127 hours okay, at Randy. Good. Good one here from the 314. As leagues lose revenue now and in the immediate future, all CBAs will need revising. Take it or leave it. I'm going to leave it because the distrust between baseball owners and players is their issue. The other sports have really developed somewhat of a partnership. And for better or worse, the players trust the owners that the um, the revenues that they're seeing and splitting are accurate. Yeah, I'm going to leave it too because it seems like baseball is the only one that's really having such a major issue with this. Mm-hmm. A lot of things are going to have to be revised. Um, I, you know what? I just want to leave it because I don't ever want to talk about this stuff ever again. I want to talk about actual games. I don't want to talk about the business side of this. It's just I'm so frustrated and over it. It's not even funny. From the 314, take it or leave it. Coronavirus will be considered an upper body injury when we get into the NHL season. I think we have to take that. Yeah. Yes. Uh, respiratory, right? So uh, I, I'm going to go with that. It's There is no aspect of the lower body that, corona, until you die, the coronavirus really does affect. So I'm going to have to say, yeah, uh, questionable upper body injury. Don't you, gosh, you gotta love hockey. 14 days. 14 days. 14 days over body injury. (laughs) Between bacon, sausage, and ham, ham is the best meat for breakfast sandwiches. Take it or leave it. Total leave. Total leave. Yes. It's sausage. Turkey bacon is brutal, but regular bacon is okay. I don't know why they sell turkey bacon. They should just sell the box and say, put the box in the microwave and eat that. (laughs) Turkey bacon is the worst. But I cannot, and I used to as a kid, ham was a thing when I was a kid. We Mm -hmm. had ham sandwiches. There's the old line. I used it this weekend. You could indict a ham sandwich. I don't know who has ham sandwiches anymore. I am just not. Oh, Colin, you do? Absolutely. You're pro ham. Oh, yes. Outside of Easter? I'm a I'm a huge fan of ham. I don't go with turkey that often. Okay. You, you're telling me you go to the deli counter and you say, hey, half a pound of ham. Absolutely. Yes. Ham. We have found him. We have yep. found the one. <laughs> we have. Who's yeah. keeping yeah. the yeah. ham yeah. industry yeah. supported. So I'm going to have to, in those power rankings, because I, I'm assuming that this is just normal pork or beef. It's not mm-hmm. turkey bacon or whatever. But ham would be number three in my power rankings there. Sausage, bacon, ham. So this is for a breakfast sandwich specifically. A breakfast food. Yeah. Yeah, Breakfast meat. I can't imagine if you are at a restaurant and they say, hey, we have two breakfast sandwich options. You can go, excuse me, bacon, egg, and cheese or ham, egg, and cheese. That anyone would choose ham, egg, and cheese over bacon, egg, and cheese. 100% of the time bacon. 100% of the time bacon. Now, they do sell ham and eggs. It's a thing and obviously if you go to any breakfast restaurant you can get it but my personal power rankings number three. I also think sausage, uh, I've never really well I guess, oh so here's the here's, 
Actually, I'm going to I'm going to switch it up with my power rankings Good. because we're talking breakfast sandwiches. Bacon, undisputed goat, undisputed number one. I am, however, going to place ham number two because I like the sausage links, not the sausage patties. See, I can go either, but for a sandwich, it's a patty. Right, like, so, but I don't like a sausage patty, so I will okay. go ahead and give the nod at number two to ham. So like a sausage McMuffin? You don't no, like that? Pass. Okay. Uh, why go sausage? Why go sausage patty when I can go bacon? But you know those sausage links have a different flavor See, to them. Dip I, them in syrup. I mean, it's great. I'm going sausage patty ahead of the bacon. What? Yep. Wait, ahead of bacon? Yep, I am number one overall. And if I'm having it just, oh yeah. And if I'm having it Things like with a, a wild meal, turn here. With, without a sandwich, like next to my pancakes, it's a link sausage, still ahead of bacon. Can you imagine if you ordered pancakes and a side of sausage and they brought out a patty, a sausage patty, as the side of sausage? Some places you can order that. That just seems wrong. Yeah. It's not great. Not great. <laughs> there was a story over the weekend about the Queen of England's daughter-in-law being welcoming to Meghan Markle as they are welcoming all new members of their family. We as a society care way too much about the royal family. Take it or leave it. Michelle? I'm going to leave it because I couldn't care less about the royal family. And I don't know anyone really that does other than my aunt who is from England. So she should care because it's her heritage. But we actually talked about this yesterday at family dinner. I couldn't care less about Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. I watched their wedding. I, well, I should say I watched part of it because I wanted to see her dress. And that's literally it. I don't care if they leave the royal family. I don't care what they talk about. To me, there are two people across the pond that just happen to have a lot of money. And actually, Meghan now is here in North America. Yeah, there you go. That being said, as a society, we do care a lot about the royal family. And I'm totally cool with it. Because how many girls grow up wanting a Disney princess doll? Royalty is a part of so many little girls' lives. How many movies are there on Hallmark where somebody meets a prince or, yeah, it's always a prince because he's got to, they have a disagreement, okay, so they meet mm -hmm. and then he goes back and he's got the mean mom who doesn't want him to marry, uh, marry a commoner. A peasant. Yep, but then the mom is finally at some point convinced that, oh, she's not a common commoner. She's worthy, and my son can marry her. Yeah, she's and beautiful, up, and she can sing. Right. So they wind up going to uh, the back to the castle, and right. they wind up having the big big wedding. And I think the there are a lot of females in our country that do thoroughly enjoy the idea of royal families. And I'm not going to begrudge them their enjoyment. Hey, if they can get away from reality by thinking about or investing themselves in the royal family or Meghan Markle and uh, Princess Kate, right? Yes. I'm, I'm fine with that. Yes. Counterpoint. Maybe idealizing the pre-constructive and maybe if we actually looked at the reality of princess life and how damaging it is to someone like Meghan Markle and Princess Diana and we realize that maybe we should reshift the focus to little girls and tell them that they can be their own heroes, they can rescue themselves they don't need a prince to do it, that they are singing themselves and that they have forest animals following them around and that they're the ones in control, we wouldn't have to worry about the royal family. Here's the thing if Disney isn't going to glorify princesses, then their only other play is to glorify somebody's parent dying at the beginning. <laughs> well, we have that anyway. Yeah, we do. But at least that's only part of it. 
It's amazing that Disney has run the same playbook with every movie for decades, yeah. and we love it. We're like, oh, wow, your parent, your mom died, and you're, you're cleaning the floors, and a prince is rescuing you? Awesome. I'm crying. Love the soundtrack. <laughs> same playbook every time. Keep ripping off a 30-yard runoff tackle. Keep running right. off tackle. Right. Wildcat offense every time, and it works. By the way, we, we mentioned Hallmark. The Hallmark movies are the same thing. It's, <laughs> if it works, it works. Thanks, Colin. Thank you. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Our fresh take of the day next on 101 ESPN. That was the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.